Hello and welcome to mini episode 204 of Real Life Ghost Stories. And I have two spooky stories for you today. And the last story comes from September the 9th, 2022. And story number one comes from Megan. I have many stories I could share about my childhood home, but I will narrow it down to just a few. I live in a house that has been passed down in my family. It was built by my great-great-grandfather in the 1940s. Growing up, I was always terrified to even walk downstairs to the one and only bathroom at night. I would wake my mom or dad up to walk me downstairs any time I had to go. I was never really sure why I had this extreme fear, but the older I got, the more it made sense. My parents often said they would think my two younger brothers and I would be playing in the middle of the night and they would rush upstairs to yell at us, but to their surprise, we would be tucked up into our beds, sleeping peacefully. There are many one-off random experiences I had in the house, but only a couple that really chilled me to my core. In high school, I met my boyfriend at age 16. He's now my husband. I told him I lived in a haunted house and he laughed it off. One night he decided he would take his phone upstairs and sit in the room in the dark that had the most paranormal activity at that time, which happened to be my youngest brother's room, and he would record. At the beginning of the recording, you can hear my voice saying, You sure you want to stay up there alone? He laughs and says, Yes, Megan. Then you hear me walk down the old, loud steps. After he sits upstairs for about five minutes, he walks back down to the living room and plays back the recording. About two minutes into the recording, there is what sounded like a young woman saying hello. She sounded so friendly and inquisitive. Of course, he didn't hear it while he was recording only when it was played back. He, my dad, my brother and I all sat in disbelief and replayed it over and over again. I get chills and tears thinking about it now. Her voice was so haunting. It sounded like she was from the 40s or the 50s, if that makes any sense. The second story takes place about two months before I graduated college and moved out of the house. I was sitting on my bed in my room doing homework. I had a double-headed lamp beside the door of my room. I remember hearing a sound that sounded like something was being unscrewed. I didn't think anything of it at first, until the lampshade went flying across my room. It bounced off the wall and hit the floor. I was immediately frozen. I sat there for about two minutes until I ran downstairs screaming and crying hysterically. My dad ran to me asking what had happened. I told him. He calmed me down and tried to make sense of how it could have happened. But I could tell he was just as shaken up as I was. I ended up brushing my teeth downstairs and getting ready for bed. As I went back upstairs to enter my room to go to sleep, the second lampshade hit me in the head very forcefully. I've truly never been so terrified in my entire life. That night I slept on an air mattress in my brother's room while my dad sat up in my room speaking to whomever or whatever had attempted to scare or hurt me, as well as praying for it to be gone. I could truly write a novel on my experiences in that house. If anything, I began to feel a little sorry for whatever entities might be trapped in that house towards the end. I have so many questions that I know may never be answered. In the end, it made me more open as a person, and for that I'm thankful. Listening to your podcast lets me know I'm not alone or crazy in my experiences. Megan, you are absolutely not alone and you are absolutely not crazy in these experiences. And if this podcast has taught us anything, it's that everybody, everybody in the world is haunted in some way, shape or form, whether it's the hat man, whether it's lampshades being flung at you. That, sorry, that does seem very aggressive. Like, 
the lampshade, obviously this unscrewing sound was the sound of the lampshade being unscrewed. And then to have it flung at you as you were going back into the room. That's not okay. That's so aggressive. I would not have been sleeping in that room either. And fair play to your dad for taking a big deep breath and being a horror movie dad and going into the room and talking to whatever it was that was in there, flinging things at your head. Not cool, man. Not cool at all. And I do love a story where somebody who doesn't believe gets their comeuppance, you know? Like your boyfriend being like, and now husband obviously being like, ha ha ha, it's definitely not a haunted house. And then you go, well, you fine, you go up to the freaky room and see what happens. Not good things, that's what happens. And story number two comes from Greg. I currently live in Fort Worth, Texas, and I've lived in North Texas for my adult life. Growing up, my dad's job required us to move every three years or so. In 1982, I was in 8th grade, which is 13 years old, and it was time to make another move. This move would take us from Huntington Beach, California, to Arlington, Texas, between Dallas and Fort Worth. The typical process consisted of mom and dad taking a trip to their destination city, spending a week or so finding a new house to move into, and then coming home and the craziness of packing our stuff and getting ready to move would begin. This time was no different. My parents had gone house hunting. One night while on their trip, I remember mom and dad calling us to let us know they'd found the perfect house and that we would love it. They did not give us a bunch of details, but real estate is much cheaper in Texas and the house we would be moving to was quite a bit larger, so no more sharing a room with my little brother. Of course, there was the downside of leaving the beach and our friends, but my siblings and I shared my parents' excitement and we were ready for them to get home to start the moving process. That night I had a dream that still gives me goosebumps 40 years later. In my dream, I remember sitting in an unfamiliar room, at a desk that had been built into the wall under a dormered window. To clarify, there was a dormer that stuck out of one side of the room that ended in a window, and there was a desk under the window. The dream was not exactly action-packed, but it left an impression on me. I remember looking out the window and watching a lady in a little house on the prairie-styled yellow dress and a bonnet. Let's call it late 1800s pioneer style clothing. I watched her slowly walking down the street and when she got to the walk that led to our house, she turned and started walking to the front door. It did not take a genius to figure out that she was coming to our house, so I left the room and started walking down the stairs to meet her. As I left the room I had been sitting in, there was a railing to my left and a wall to my right with flowered wallpaper. The rail was on the landing of a set of stairs. The stairs were in the shape of an L. You went halfway down the stairs and turned to the right to get to the entryway. When I hit the halfway point of the stairs, I turned and could see the woman arriving through the two leaded glass windows in the door. Instead of ringing the doorbell or a polite knock on the door, the lady pounded on the door three times. It stopped me in my tracks midway down the stairs. Fortunately for me, though it was the middle of the day, it was fairly dark in the house, so I did not think I had been seen. What I saw on the other side of the door freaked me out. It was not a lady at all. It appeared to me to be a man with a pockmarked face. His eyes looked strange and maniacal. They were unfocused, but not the way a blind person's eyes are unfocused. They looked wild and they were looking in different directions at the same time. It looked like the man had taken something like blue modelling clay and rubbed it over his pockmarked face, leaving remnants of blue unevenly distributed on his face. 
The overall look of this man wearing a yellow dress and a bonnet with blue clay rubbed all over his pockmarked face and wandering eyes was incredibly unsettling. From my stopping point on the stairs, I asked in a very timid voice, Who is it? In a very deep and gruff voice, the man said, It's your mother. I woke up in a cold sweat and that was the end of the dream. In the grand scheme of things, the dream shook me a little, but I've had scarier dreams. I remember having trouble getting back to sleep, but I was able to get back to sleep. The odd thing for me was that I remembered my dream, and obviously still do, which is not typical of me. If I do happen to remember the dream when I wake up, it is out of my mind before I've completed my first bathroom visit of the day. I'm not sure why, but this dream stuck in the back of my mind. Fast forward to a couple of months later. My family and I are in Arlington and we are getting to see the new house for the first time. I remember thinking how beautiful it was and it had woods behind the house to run around in. As my mom was touring us through the house and showing us our rooms, I was super excited because I saw my room, which was a mother-in-law suite downstairs that would be my own space with my own bathroom. We then went upstairs and my feeling of excitement changed. As we walked through the entryway and past the front door, something felt familiar. When we got halfway up the stairs, it hit me. This was the house from my dream. I guess you could argue that I started to remember when I saw the front door, but what made me realise it was the same house were the flowers on the upstairs wallpaper. The dream came flooding back. I turned and looked at the front door and the entryway. From this angle halfway up the stairs I realised it was the same. The front door had the two leaded glass windows. The railing on the stairs was the same. My mom led the family into the first room on the left, but I followed the handrail to the right and went into the room for my dream. As I entered the room, I knew what I would see. There was a dormered window with a built-in writing desk under the window. I felt sick. I was now terrified of our new home. For me, the one saving grace was that this would not be my room. Fortunately for me, my room was downstairs, and the mother-in-law suite remained mine. Until I went to college and my younger brother wanted the downstairs bedroom to be his. And guess what room became mine? You guessed it, I ended up spending summers and winter breaks in the room with the dormered window. Fortunately, the man in the yellow dress never did visit me in that house or anywhere else to date. We lived there from January of 1983 to December of 1993. Until we moved from the house, I did not share the story of my dream. I always felt like it would give the dream more weight and make it more likely to come true. Some strange things did happen in that house, but I do not know if I would call any of them paranormal. I will admit I was not sad when my parents moved. When I eventually did tell my family about my dream, they seemed glad that I had not shared it with them earlier. I don't know if this is paranormal, but I cannot explain it. And I thought you might enjoy it. My older daughter was born in December of 1997. Like all babies, she would go through cycles. And in the spring of 1998, she started having trouble sleeping through the night. I would like to start by saying that our house was three years old when we bought it as the second owners. Though it was a young neighbourhood, it lies on the path of the old Chisholm Trail, which was the trail ranchers would use to drive their cattle from South Texas up to Kansas in the 1800s. My house was around 1,400 square feet, with the master bedroom on one side of the house and the babies and the sewing rooms on the other side of the house, and the living room and eating area were in the middle. The first occurrence happened when I was closing windows in the eating area as I was getting ready for bed. 
My wife does a lot of sewing. In fact, her college degree is in fashion design, so she's in the sewing room often. I heard what I thought was my wife shutting it down for the evening, which prompted me to start shutting windows in preparation for bed. The last windows I was shutting down were in the eating area. Through the reflection in the window I was shutting, I saw what I swear in a court of law was my wife walking from the master bedroom towards the baby's room. I finished shutting the windows and went to the master bedroom where I found my wife getting ready for bed. I was completely surprised. I asked if she had just checked on the baby, but she told me she had not. She had been in our closet prior to getting ready for bed and was going to check the baby after she was done in the bathroom. I told her what I had seen, and we were both unnerved. So, with my trusty baseball bat in hand, I quietly but thoroughly searched the entire house, only to find it was only the two of us and the baby in the house. We concluded that I must be seeing things, or the reflection had me seeing things backwards, meaning going left to right instead of right to left, and maybe I was just confused. I let myself believe that to get some sleep, but I knew it was not correct. I had a tough time getting to sleep, and I kept a close ear on the baby monitor. Sleep did finally come, and I got a great night's sleep because my daughter did not wake me up in the middle of the night. The second time it happened was like the first, a week or so later. I was closing the window in the living room, and in the reflection of the window, I saw what appeared to be my wife again. From this angle, I could see the front door and the hallway outside of my daughter's door. Whatever, or whoever this was, was moving towards my daughter's room. I finished shutting the windows and noticed my daughter's side of the house was dark. I finished closing the windows and went to my room to find my wife getting ready for bed. I freaked out, but my wife was calmer this time. I would call it the boy crying wolf phenomenon. I checked the entire house again and found nothing. I would like to point out there were not many places to hide. I checked in cabinets, closets, under the crib and all over. The next day I noted to my wife that I had had a great night's sleep. She pointed out that the baby had previously had a couple of restless nights, but last night she had slept through the night. She also noted that the last time I saw her heading towards my daughter's room, the same thing happened. She wondered if it was a guardian angel. The third and final time this happened was several days later, and again my daughter had been restless at night. I was locking the back door, which is glass, and in the reflection I saw her again. I watched the full movement intentionally. I want to point out that I never saw her face, but her hair, posture and clothing choice were close enough for me to think it was my wife. I remember thinking that as I watched her walking along. I went directly to my bedroom and my wife was sitting in bed reading a magazine and I told her what I had seen. This time my wife laughed and said we should get a good night's sleep. She said we should give this ghost a name if she was going to be with us so often. I still looked through the entire house. Same results all round, I did not find anyone. My daughter slept through the night and so did I. That was the last time I saw our guardian angel. They say it takes a village to raise kids. And I guess my village includes at least one person nobody else has seen. Greg, what was going on with that dream? That dream is so frightening. It kind of has that feeling of like, it's so ridiculous, it should be funny. But it's definitely not funny. It's absolutely terrifying. It gives me that feeling of the end of Camp Sleepaway. Now, I've not seen all of that film and I'm sure it's very problematic. But the end of Camp Sleepaway with... with, Look, if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. And that still scares me. I've seen the clip of the end of it a couple of times and I'm not a fan. And that's what that reminds me of. It almost feels like your brain 
relived a moment or slipped into a warning of that house i just don't know i don't i don't really know what to make of it to be perfectly honest but imagine if you were sitting in that room under the window at the writing desk in real life and then you saw what looked like a woman coming up the drive in a yellow dress i'd be i'd fucking throw myself out the window i'd be like i'm not i'm not facing this i just can't do it and as for the reflection in the window, like, I'm in two minds about this. I mean, is it good? No, because it's it's scary, right? It's scary on both counts. you got the possibility of it being a ghost and the possibility of it being somebody who's in your house who you don't know is in your house. Both of those things are scary. However, what I will say is this. If I was a parent whose child was not sleeping and a ghost was helping to put the child to sleep at night and mean that we would get a full night's sleep, I'd be, I would be welcoming that ghost into the house with open arms for sure. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Megan and Greg for sending in your stories. Remember, the last story came from September the 9th, 2022. If you would like to send in your story, you can do so by emailing it to Podcast at gmail.com. You can also check out the website, reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And if you are desperate for some extra content, you can sign up to Patreon, patreon.com forward slash reallifeghoststories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content, as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad-free. And on that note, I will see you next time.